Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Bismillah walhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalan yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamar rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you for your love. We ask you for the love of those actions that will gain your love, Ya Allah. And we ask you for the love of those people that you love, Ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Allahumma hdina wa hdibina. O Allah, guide us and make us means of guidance for other people as well, Ya Allah. Um, so we're continuing with our class, Risalatul Mustar Shideen. And our last class was a beautiful class. We talked about the importance of advice, giving advice to one another's. The, the method of giving advice and how to give advice and all of these things, we talked about those things. And then one of the things that we really focused on towards the end of our last session was the importance of uh, good company and removing toxic people uh, from your environment. And by toxic people, we mean people that are not uh, good for your spiritual growth. They don't help you grow spiritually. They pull you down. They pull you to a negative place and they don't help you grow. So we talked about the importance of not letting those people uh, benefit from your company, but realizing that they are detrimental to your spiritual well-being and you have to make sure that those people are not around you as much. And sometimes they're very close people to us, but we have to make those decisions, which is better for our own personal growth. So we talked about that. Now, this is really interesting because the very next advice that he gives is this. It's really related to where we stopped last class. His next advice is, and this is actually a statement of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an. He says, and take your share of solitude. And take your share, grab onto your share of solitude. Um, I wanted to begin with a, with a quote of Pascal. Um, who's this like French philosopher, well-known, said all these really deep things, right? There's one quote that he said that I think is really an important thing to preface our discussion on. He says this, and I want everyone to reflect on this. He says, most of man's problems arise from his or her inability to sit quietly by themselves in a room for 30 minutes. He says, I'm going to repeat this. Most of man's problems arise from his or her inability to sit in a room by themselves quietly for 30 minutes. And I think if we realize something, so first I'm going to preface this by saying this. 
Islam is a very social religion. Like, you know, we, we hugging, we shaking hands, two hands, one hand, this and that. You know, we're, we, we, we're, we're close. We have hajj. I mean, there's nothing more social than hajj. We got five prayers. You got Juma, You got Eid. SubhanAllah, we have all these aspects of our religion which are extremely social, which it, it tells you the importance of community. But what we have to remember is that community is made up of individual beings. And as we see in our country, one, one human being that's not well can affect the entire community. And so Islam focuses on the communal well-being, but at the same time, at the same time, when we study the Prophet ﷺ, when he was with people, what do they say? He was always smiling. He was there for you. If you needed him, he was there. He was going to help you. Someone stops him in Medina, an elderly lady stops him in Medina, the Prophet ﷺ sits there the whole time. He's like, yes, auntie, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? He told us, as we said last week, as long as you're helping another person, Allah is helping you. So there are so many examples in our deen that talk about being a social person and being there for people. But what we also have to respect and realize a part of your spiritual growth is your ability to disconnect so that you can connect. And I'm going to talk about this in detail this, uh, this evening because I think it's something that we're losing the ability to do because we're constantly tethered, we're constantly connected, we're constantly plugged in. And so we feel like we're connected now more than ever. There's an author, she wrote back, this was like, I think like five years ago, she wrote a book, uh, uh, Alone Together. Was, I think it was Alone Together, right? Yeah, Alone Together, Sherry Turkle, right? Sherry Turkle, she writes this book called Alone Together. And what she, basic theory of the whole book, the basic premise of the entire book is that we're alone now, right? We're alone and we're, we're more connected than we've ever been in the history of human existence. We've never been able to like, communicate with someone across the world in an instant. We've never been able to reach out, reach out, reach this person, quickly call my mom, quickly call my grandparents, reach out, you know, Zoom the whole condon. We could get the whole crew together like it's nothing. But what she's saying is like, even though we're connected now more than ever, we've never felt more alone. We've never felt more by ourselves. And it may sound like a conundrum. Wait, Sheikh, I thought you were talking about we need to spend time in solitude, but at the same time you're saying that, oh, we feel more alone. And this is important. There's a difference between feeling alone and being alone. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between feeling alone. You can be in the most packed place, surrounded by people, and feel absolutely on an island. There's no one there for you, no one with you. But being alone is something completely different. And what we learned from the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, is he taught us how to be alone, how to be by ourselves. So let's begin. Where does, the, where does revelation begin? Where, where's the first place the Prophet receives revelation? Non-rhetorical question. The cave. So we know like the Prophet, before this message began, he says that something happened to me where he says, Hubbiba ilayy al-khala'u. Like, for some reason, he's like, I just began to love solitude. I like to be by myself, right? Just, just by myself. And, and what the scholars explain is the reason why Allah made him love solitude is because solitude was preparing him because you can't connect to others until you connect to yourself. You can't connect to other people until you connect to yourself. That, that's the point here, like... 
Today, we're connected to everything but ourselves. We're connected to everyone. We know everything going on. We know the latest tweet. We know the latest thing. We know everything, but we don't know ourselves. We're not connected to ourselves. So here's the logic. I want us to understand this like this. I broke this down into like just a nice schematic for you, okay? And you can put it in your notes. So you start off with time alone, right? Time alone. And time alone, by the way, just as a preface, I'm not talking like literally like you call your boss, like I need time off, you know, like you, you email HR. No, you don't got to email HR for this, this halakha, okay? This, this joint right now, you could do at any time. I was sitting in the driveway on our way here and like I was in the car, bros, you know how that be, right? I was in the car ready to go. You feel me, right? Some of you ain't laughing. Okay, cool. It's all good. Sister Sarah sure ain't laughing. But anyways, I was ready to go. So I'm in the car, right? And I'm waiting for my kids. You know what I mean? And it was maybe like two, three minutes. But I realized like that's that golden moment of solitude right there. It was three minutes max. But what happened is traditionally before, before we had our like constant tether, we had time off, but now we don't have that. So it was that three minutes before everyone got in the car and we were about to come. And I was like, this is the point for me to act on what we're talking about tonight. It's that one moment of silence for myself where I'm just like, whatever. And we could talk about what you're thinking in that moment, but it's a moment by myself. So the beginning, here's the schematic breakdown of this whole concept. Number one is time alone creates, gives you the ability to have knowledge of self. That's the next thing. So time alone gives you knowledge of self. Knowledge of self is about understanding who you are. What makes you jealous? What makes you angry? What, what blessings you have? How, what, what acts of ingratitude you've shown towards Allah? What acts of gratitude you've shown? All of these things are things we'll, we can talk about what to focus on when you're alone. But first thing to understand is that time alone creates knowledge of self. Now, whenever you get to know something, you become comfortable with that thing. There's an Arabic saying, Al-mar'u aduwan lima jahila that a person is an enemy of what they don't know. A person is an enemy of what they don't know. Whatever you don't know, you're scared of it. So if you don't know yourself, you become scared of yourself. And you become scared to spend time by yourself. And the best example I can give, I've said it before, is the elevator example. You get on the elevator, some strange person gets on by yourself. It could be one flight, that feels like an hour. It could be one flight, one flight up. You standing next to this person you don't know, you're like, man. And the moment the elevator opens, whew, okay, bye. You can even speak to them now. You're like, bye, bye. Nice, 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 nice. Keep rolling. What, what, am I, what I'm trying to say is this. Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says that the worst thing you can cultivate, and I'm going to use an Arabic word, but I'll translate it, is a wahsha, a wahsha with your own self an estrangement or a, a, a type of infamiliarity with your own self where you don't even feel comfortable by yourself. You don't even feel comfortable alone. So you wake up tethered, you go to sleep tethered. Why? Because I feel really awkward by myself. So what's the, what's the schematic breakdown? Time alone creates knowledge of self. And this is all from the sunnah of the Rasul Time alone creates knowledge of the self. Knowledge of the self allows you to be comfortable with yourself. And 
and, and, and you're able to be by yourself. You're not scared of being alone by yourself. And, th and here's another thing, man. Like, how can I put this, man? Like, you know, so there's this theory, there's this theory in psychology called attachment theory, okay? Um, and I'm sure many of you have studied, you understand it, but I'm just gonna use this as an example. So attachment theory is basically like this. Attachment theory tells us that human beings come into this world unlike other, other uh, animals. Like, like uh, horses, calves, they come out, they like walk in like 10 minutes, right? Five minutes, they're already walking. Like a deer, a doe, whatever, what's it called, a baby deer? Baby deer, okay, what's it called? Anyone know? A doe? No, I don't think it's a doe. Anyways, whatever, who cares? So a baby deer comes, moments later it's walking, right? But we are very different. We are very different. We come out and for the next year, two, three, we can do nothing by ourselves almost. Nothing. We need other people. Now what attachment theory tells us is this. Whenever pers a person has someone that's a, a loving caregiver there, they grow up and what happens is they become comfortable experiencing life and going out on their own. So because they know they have a secure base, they don't have a problem going out being by themselves. They're totally comfortable. So like mom will be over there, they'll go to the park and they'll just have a good time, look back occasionally, oh mom's over there, I'm good to go. Why? Because they had that secure upbringing, right? So what this theory basically gets to and how it connects to this is, the whole process of having a loving parent, a loving caregiver, is it allows you to get comfortable being on your own. It allows you to trans transition to this point where you're okay by yourself. If you never had that caregiver, you often have trouble later on in life being by yourself or even attaching with other people. The reason why I'm bringing this up is I, I think it really has to do with understanding we as brothers and fathers and mothers and older sisters, we need to help our siblings and other people around us be comfortable being by themselves as well, being independent, being, we're there for you, but we also want people to be comfortable by themselves. So as we grow, we get older, and before you know it, like subhanAllah, my house is full of noise. I got three little ones running around. But before you know it, man, it's like, you know, they, you know, you know college, marriage, house is sounding a little bit more quiet up in here, a little bit more alone. Before you know it, subhanAllah, I, I mean, our, my, mother, my, my sister's uh, grandmother, she just passed away in Ramadan, rahimahullah. And the only thing we could think about, you know, mom, Momji passed away, the only we think we, we could think about was ba Babaji, like granddad, he's by himself now. He's alone, he's by himself. What, what I'm showing you is that from the moment we come into this world, we're on this journey alone. And Allah will bring us back to this point where we're by ourselves. Do you fear that moment of by yourself? Here's my point of this, this whole talk. If you become comfortable being alone when you're young, then as you grow older, being alone is nothing. Adi, yo. Adi, I'm good. I was comfortable by myself. I, I know myself. I'm not, a scared to, I'm not scared of myself. Now, so that's the next thing. But here's the thing that I think is even more important. As I said before, we're a community, right? One time the, someone asked the Prophet Sallallahu what's the best sadaqah, form of charity? He listed a bunch of things, and then he said, if you can't do anything, then just protect the people from your own evil. Hold up, let me say this again. In, in light of everything we see nationally happening around us, the Prophet Sallallahu said, the lowest form of charity is that you recognize the evil in yourself and you protect the people from that evil. My point in this whole schematic is 
Time alone gives you knowledge of self. Knowledge of self gives you the ability to be comfortable with self. Comfortable with self gives you the ability to know who you are and interact with other people in a healthy way. You become part of a beautiful community when you spend time by yourself and you get to know who you are. So this is why Umar ibn Khattab and our whole religion has this emphasis on you being comfortable being by yourself. I want to share with you like what can happen. So Ibn, Ibn Taymiyyah, I want to give you an anecdotal understanding of the power of, of being alone versus feeling lonely. Ibn Taymiyyah, he's a well-known scholar from our history, okay? And like many well-known people, he went through his own fitna and he ended up dying in prison. He died in prison. He was arrested for something. Like he didn't want to go with the government and agree with them. So he got arrested. And this is what they're doing. They're like, okay, what we'll do to you to punish you, the way we punish you in this dunya, this world, is we put you in solitary by yourself. What they don't realize is this is where people find themselves. What they don't realize is Malcolm X became Malcolm X because you put him by himself. It was so long that he was out with the people that he couldn't find himself. But the moment you take Malcolm X, and when you read the book, this man is lost. The more he's with people, the more bad influence, the more bad influence, the more he's doing this. I'm following what this guy says, what this guy says, what this guy. I'm, 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 I'm dancing or marching to every other man's drummer. So my mom would say, right? She's here again today, y'all. So. So but he said, once they arrested me and they put me in prison, and the reason I'm spending so much time on this, just so you know, I have like, subhanAllah, you guys don't, man, it's amazing. We're so blessed. I get a letter like once a month from someone who's incarcerated that they're like with us in this halakha, yo. They're literally like, yo, you give the halakha, I don't know who's there, but let them know we're with them. We're listening to every halakha, we're with you in prison. So we're talking about being alone because they use that as a form of punishment. But what we can learn, and I'm going to share with you with Ibn Taymiyyah and with Malcolm X, what we discover is the discovery of self happened when he was, when he was cut off from everyone else. That was when he connected to himself. That's when he became who he was. And now he came out. And if you think you had a problem before, <laughs> yeah, now he's walking through New York City like, bro, let's get together, organizing the whole ummah. So, and now, now what they had to do was that at the end, they just have to assassinate him. They just have to kill him. We put you in prison, that made you better. So now what are we going to do? So Ibn Taymiyyah is similar. Ibn Taymiyyah is similar. Ibn Taymiyyah, he was arrested. And I'm telling you a story. This is directly from his student. So his student would come to the front of the jail cell. And I've seen the jail cell in Damascus. You can see, like, it's tiny. You can see where they kept him. So his student would come to the front of the jail, the, the cell, and he would just sit there and like talk to his teacher and take notes. And these are the dictations that he got from his teacher. He said, um, he said, li marratan. He said, one day my teacher said to me, Ma bi. What can my enemies do to me? Ana jannati wa fi sadri. He's like, I'm walking in paradise right now. My garden is in my chest. Wait, hold on. My garden is in my chest. Do you get what he's trying to say? I've detached from the external circumstance. And my paradise is here now. What can you do to me? And then he says, he says, He goes, wherever I go, that Jannah is with me because it's in my chest. I'm good. I'm good to go. 
And then he says these words. He says, in habas inna habsi khalwa. He goes, if they keep me in, jan, in, in, in prison, it's khalwa. Khalwa means a moment of solitude. I'm just reflecting here. I'm sitting back reflecting. And he says, and if they kill me, I'm a martyr. And if they kick me out of this country, they make me leave, exile. I'm a, go, I'm, a, I'm a tourist, man. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to see the world. What we're seeing here is a person has spent so much time focusing on themselves that the external circumstances no longer define them. I'm going to say that again. We are so fickle. We are so feeble. We get one text message and we're, our world is done. When you spend time by yourself, you realize it doesn't matter what the world around me is doing. My jannah is in my chest. My bustan, my garden is right here. You can never take that away from me, ever. So then he goes on forward and he says, um, he says, he said, one day his student, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he comes, he's like, you know, Sheikh, you want to say some words? He says, yeah, you think I'm in prison, right? He says, nah, he said, you think I'm in prison? No. The one who's imprisoned is the one whose heart has been held back from his Lord. His perspective is shifting. I'm not in prison. I'm chilling in here. And he says, Wal ma'sur. Ma'sur is another name for a word, someone in prison. He says, Wal ma'sur man asrahu hawahu. The one in shackles is the one whose desires control them. I'm free. My desires don't control me anymore. I'm free. And he, then he, a few more things he says. His student says, i never seen anyone more comfortable than him than those days that he was in prison. I've never seen anything like that. And, but I saw how strange his circumstances is, but he was in such a beautiful place. So the reason I'm sharing this is because I really feel it's, it, it gives us this ability to understand the power and the importance of khalwa. Now I'm going to share one more thing. I read something really beautiful, some of the benefits of spending time by yourself. Now, if you came late, I want to explain something. Islam is a social religion. We thrive. We're social butterflies, right? We meet everyone in the room, shake hands, all that. Islam, the Prophet send them a smile, all that. My premise is this. The Prophet taught us the importance of spending time by yourself. And we today, we don't get an opportunity at all to be by ourselves, even for a second. And so that's why I'm spending so much time on this because we really need to bring that back. Those car rides down the 635 or whatever highway you want, those are moments for reflection, man. Those are moments by yourself. Those are moments to connect to yourself and be with you. So listen to this. This is something else about khalwa. These are some of the benefits of, oh, I'm gonna stop. I gotta translate the words, my bad. Khalwa or solitude. Some of the benefits of solitude. What happens when you love solitude? Here are a few. He says the first thing that comes when you love to be those moments of solitude, when you love those moments by yourself, the first thing that you'll realize is you desire to be more sincere with God. You desire sincerity. What is sincerity in Arabic? Ikhlas. You desire sincerity. Number two, the next thing that comes when you start to like solitude, you become happy being low-key and not known. Yo, listen, man. 
People are doing crazy things to be known today, yo. It's beyond the point of just doing stupid, silly stuff. They're doing evil stuff to just be known. Just for that one moment of fame, that one moment of my name's headline, I went viral. How many of our little like cousins be talking, oh, go viral, go viral? It's sad, man. So that desire, that moment, that one tweet that goes viral, they'll do anything for it. And it's gotten so bad that now it's not just about doing silly pranks to go viral. It's now I'm going to do whatever it takes to go viral. That one moment, that one time when all of humanity knows who I am, even if I have to destroy the lives of other people. So we have a sickness with this desire to be known. And the Prophet Sallallahu the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, you know what he said? It don't hurt you that you're unknown. It won't hurt you to be unknown. You don't got to be known. You don't, don't know one, you don't got to walk in a room and be like, oh, you, you don't need that. And in fact, there's hadith that speak opposite of that, which is It's enough to consider someone evil that everyone, when he walks in, they're like, yo, that's it right there. Right there. Now, let me explain something. Oh, Sheikh, we can't be known. We can't use influence. We can't da da da. Uh-uh, there's a difference. Prophets were well known. So what's the difference? Come on, yo, y'all sat in this halakha for many years now, man. Yeah. Yeah, you in the spot now. Now you're in the spot. Now you see how I feel all the time. Okay, she said be famous for a good reason. It goes deeper than that. That's true too, but it goes deeper. There you go, hold up. One is being famous. Another is loving fame. And what he said is, when you love it, you'll sacrifice for it. Remember what we said last week? You sacrifice for what you love. You love that job. You're going to sacrifice stuff for it. You love that nice, man, you love a lot of stuff, so you sacrifice for it. Whatever you love the most, everything else is sacrificed for that greater love. When you love fame, when you love being known, when you love to just have people talk attention, when you love that, you're going to sacrifice things for that. The key is, Prophets were famous. They didn't love fame. There's a difference between loving something. It's like wealth. Is wealth anything wrong with being rich? Come on, y'all know this. Y'all heard that khutbah before. Come on, man. Prosperity gospel. Y'all know that joint. <laughs> anything wrong with being rich? Come on, y'all shy. They're like, no. Anywhere else you be in the car like, ain't it sunnah? It's all right. It's all good. Now everybody being all humble and stuff. Ain't nothing wrong with having money. Abdurrahman bin Auf, you already know the Sahaba. <laughs> Abdurrahman bin Auf, all these wealthy Sahaba. But were they seeking it? Were they like, did they love wealth? Nah. How do you know they didn't love it? Because they sacrificed it for a greater love when the time came. That's how you know you don't love something. And that's how you know where your love truly lies. You're able to sacrifice when the time comes. So is there anything wrong with being famous? No. Is there something wrong with loving fame? Definitely. Because you will do whatever it takes to go viral, to be known, to just get that 30 seconds where your name is trending on Twitter. That's it. I made it. Follow me. Like and subscribe. Share. Support the page. I mean, so the first, the second thing that happens when you love solitude is you have no problem being unknown. You walk in, alhamdulillah, nobody knows you, you, you leave. Alhamdulillah. Next one. 
is similar, very, very similar. Number three. It's very similar. He says, you become unneedy of people knowing you and you want to know Allah. So, so you spend time with the people, but you, you really want to know Allah. You really want to know God. You really want to be close to Allah. You don't care about how many people you know, who knows you, how many you know, how many you're connected to. The next one. I said those were very similar. The next thing that happens for a person that loves solitude, he says, to the summit, summit. You become comfortable being quiet. This tongue is dangerous, man. This tongue is dangerous, man. Breaks families. Get you in trouble. I learned that in eighth grade. Got in a few fights just because of this bad boy right here. Mike likes to talk too much. Pop. The streets will teach you real quick to control your tongue. And the tongue nowadays is tweets and comments. All of that fits as the tongue. So he says by spending time by yourself, you start to love silence. You enjoy it. This is one of the biggest ones. The next effect of loving to be by yourself is you start to worry about your own affairs, not everybody else's business. How many of us, we are in every family member's business, the whole family. You call your sister or your brother and you just start up. Okay, so let me run down the list. So basically everybody. What about you? Where are you going to start focusing on your own well-being? So he says this is another benefit. There's a few more, but I think that's good enough for this evening, inshallah. We can move on to the next one, inshallah ta'ala. I think one of the last ones I'll share with you, which really hit me, is um, you won't be able to become content with what you have until you learn to be content by yourself. The ability to learn to be content with what you have, a lot of times our lack of contentment is because we're so mixed with other people, we keep seeing everything they got. Time by yourself allows you to sit by yourself and reflect on what you have and focus on you and yours and build gratitude for it. So what does he say? Let's back to the book. Take your share of solitude. Learn how to be by yourself. Do you need to call HR and take off time from work? Uh-uh. You just need to sit by yourself for moments in the masjid at home before you go to sleep when you wake up in the morning. Spend time by yourself. Connect to yourself. And then he says... Now, remember what I told you, he, his advice is kind of uh, all over the place a bit, right? They don't always follow a steady stream of, uh, of one thought. The next thing he says is, Make sure that you concern yourself with halal and haram. We talk a lot about spiritual growth in our halakas, right? We talk about becoming a better person, loving Allah, knowing Allah. But part of that is your ability to listen to what Allah says is halal and what Allah says is haram. Like that's a sign. That's a, that, your ability to be like, oh, Allah said that's haram. Why, why are you not doing that? Because it's haram. Allah said no. All the talks about knowing Allah, building your love of Allah, the litmus test is when the test is put in front of you. Are you able to give up that haram thing? So what he says here is, وَلَا تَأْخُذَنَّ إِلَّا حَلَالًا Make sure that when you reach out and you take things, do I even think whether it's halal or haram, permissible or impermissible? Next advice, وَجَانِبِ israf. Beware of spending too much, extravagantly. So the Qur'an teaches us a beautiful verse in the Qur'an. وَلَا 
there's a, a beautiful verse in the Quran, um, the verse. بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ الْقَوَامَةً وَلَا أَفْوَنْ سَمِحْنِ Huh? No, وَلَا تَنْفِقُ وَالَّذِينِ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا Got it. وَالَّذِينِ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا Allah speaks about a quality of the believers is in when we spend. وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتُرُوا وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا One of the qualities of the believers is when, when it comes to spending money, there's extremes. There's the extreme that you don't spend on nothing. Nothing. Some of y'all got bank right in that old whip for years. Right? Don't spend on nothing. Nothing. And then the other side of the, the coin is you buy the best of everything even when you can't afford it. You buy the best of everything even with money you don't even have yet. This is something completely against the sunnah of the Rasul In fact, the sunnah of the Rasul وسلم, is what comes up next. He says, Be content with what is enough. What is enough? You know what's deep? Check this. The word for enough in Arabic is kafaf. But the word for stop is also kath. But the word for your palm too is also kath. So like you can see where the Prophet ﷺ, he said in one hadith, it's my favorite hadith. We're always trying to do more, get more, buy more. How much can you get? How many clothes can you get? How many can you wear at one time? How much food can you get? How big of a house can you get? How much of it can you actually use? This hadith puts it all in perspective. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Man asbaha minkum mu'afan fi jasidihi. Whoever woke up this morning and their body is, is healthy. You're, you're healthy, number one. Aminan fi sirabihi. And you, you have peace. You got your family, you got your, you're in peace, you got peace around you. Wa'indahu quta yawmi. And you got enough food for today. Three things, what are they? You got to know these. Number one is what? Healthy body, you're fine, you woke up, you moved your limbs, you're like, Allahu Akbar. Number two, peace. Number, oh, that's not, a, that's not a small deal, man. Number three, and you got grub for today. Food. I mean, what y'all call it, yo. You got food for today. What does the Prophet say? It's as if you have the whole world in front of you. You got the whole world. To me, that's so profound because we're always thinking more, 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 more to get the world. What do you mean? I got to be like, you know, Elon or someone that get the whole world. No, the prophet's like, if you have these three things, you got everything there is the world has to offer you. And so what does he say? He says, only take what is halal. Do not spend more than you can afford. Be in your means. This is part of the prophet's sunnah, always staying within the means. And then, waqnat minad dunya bil kafaf. And be content with what is enough for you. Be content with enough. Or else nothing will ever be enough for you. Then his next advice. Just a few more and we'll be done inshallah. He says, unsa, al-adab fi basatin al-ilmi. He says, learn etiquette, adab. So you know what I loved about Islam? Like, this is heavy for me guys. What you don't realize as being people being born Muslim and just like knowing some of these things, 
Islam teaches you a way of life of how to interact with yourself, the world, and with, with Allah. It teaches you adab or methods of interacting with, with, with the world. And so what he says here, and yo, and, and I say this all the time, go on YouTube. How many how-to videos with two, two, 20 million views? How I sleep in the morning. How, what's my morning routine? You know, what's my this? What's my that? And we up there like, yo, what does he do? Word, I'm going to try that this week. Every week you're doing a new thing. Your boy hits you up. Yo, what's, what you do? Oh, I'm intermittent fasting now. Oh, why? Oh, because this is what, uh, you don't say it. You don't say this is what such and such is doing. You try to quote the, you know, the, the statistics and all that stuff is good for you, this and that. Everyone watching these how-to, how I wake up in the morning, how I do this, how I do that, how I do this. The beautiful thing about our deen, our religion, Islam, is that the Quran is filled with these etiquettes of how-to. How-to greet people. How-to treat your mother. How, not just be nice. Nah, specifics, yo. Al-jannatu tahta aqadam al-ummahat. Massage your mother's feet. Jannah, paradise is under her feet. You know how to be with your, your children, how to be with your siblings, how to walk humbly or arrogantly, what, like how to dress modestly but beautifully, swag but humble. You know what I'm saying? It's absolutely beautiful. So what he says here is seek out etiquette of how to live from the garden of knowledge, the Quran. Learn how to live life through the Quran. And where do you see the embodiment of the Quran? Everyone knows it. Where is it? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When you watch his life, it's the embodiment of what the Quran is saying. Humility with dignity. Kindness with strength. All of those things in every action of his life. Next thing you should seek out. He comes back to solitude. He says, seek out being comfortable by yourself. I wonder why he repeated it. It's important. He came back to it again. And the word uns is familiar when you're comfortable, completely fine. Walhaya fi shu'ubil yaqeen. Haya is this sense of shame. It's a, it's a long topic. Let me just give a little bit of it. When you realize the blessings of God upon you and how short you come up, you start to feel ashamed. When it really hits you, when you have those moments when you're like, man, I'm falling short. You get this little sense of shame before Allah. The stronger your certainty in God knowing and seeing you, then the stronger that sense of shame is kind of there. Like, ah, I can't believe I just did that. So he says, seek out haya or shame through your yaqeen. I hope you understand it. Let me try again because this is a deep one. The more certainty you have of God being aware of you, watching you, you become more shameful a bit because of your shortcomings. But that shame is a beautiful shame because it keeps you on track. It makes you go, Astaghfirullah. Astagh you ever, okay, let me, y'all ain't, ain't feeling me. I got you. I talk to my students about this. You ever think about a moment you did something really silly like five years ago and, and cringe? Come on, I ain't the only one. Right? I told y'all about it before with wifey. Right? That cringe moment when you like, stock fiddle, I can't believe I did that. That was horrible. Oh my God. I hope they forgot about that. Right? That thought, right? That feeling right there, that same thing can happen with you with Allah. You just, you got all these blessings. You see these blessings and you're like, oh, stock fiddle, I can't believe I did that. 
Astaghfirullah, ya Allah, please forgive me, I'm sorry. But that's a beautiful relationship. That, that's what brings that, that cringe feeling because I can't believe I did that. That same cringe feeling can come because of that sin. Astaghfirullah, I can't believe I did that. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Now you don't dwell on it. You don't sit there living that forever. You got to keep moving. But it brings that astaghfirullah out of you. By the way, astaghfirullah means, oh Allah, forgive me. Astaghfirullah, oh Allah, forgive me. Oh Allah, forgive me. So it brings that, oh Allah, forgive me. I can't believe I did that. It brings that out of you. The more your yaqeen increases, the more that shame, I can't believe I did that, comes out of you. Almost done. And seek out reflection through the, the moments of, uh, of thinking. And he's, we're almost done. Wa'arif. Understand. Think about. Dawami ihsani illahi ilayka. Okay, here we go. We're almost done, promise. You remember we were talking about being by yourself. Now, if we're all honest with each other, the moment we start to sit by ourselves, we start to daydream. You're like, I'm going to practice on what Sheikh said. You're sitting by yourself, and before you know it, you're just like, oh my God, I spent the last 20 minutes thinking about some crazy stuff. How is that even beneficial at all? Right? So it's about what we focus on, too, not just being by ourselves. So now he gives us a few things to think about, and they're absolutely beautiful. Number one, and we'll conclude with this inshallah ta'ala. Number one. Think about the perpetual blessings of God, Allah, upon you and your perpetual disobedience to Allah. Cringe moment again. Ah, oh, dang. Number two. Think about his compassion for you and how much you keep turning away from him. You keep turning away. Other things are more important. Other things are more important. Even something as shallow as, a, as my show is more important than that salah time. Number three. Number three, right? Think about his protective veil over you. What do I mean, protective veil? What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Protective veil. He doesn't expose your sins. He doesn't expose you, man. We all sitting here, everybody thinking we, everybody's a wali of Allah up in here. And every one of us like, I'm just fake it till we make it. Chilling with the good folks up in here. Put my shawl on real quick. You know what I mean? So he covers us. He covers us. He covers us. He covers us. But he says, think about how much he covers you and how little bit of shame you feel before him. Think about that. That's number three. And the last thing, if none of those get you, if none of those get you, what number? Four? Think about Think about how much you need him. He doesn't really need you. He loves us. Don't twist it. He don't need you. Somebody else will literally be sitting in your spot in this masjid, in this spot, in that spot. He doesn't need us. 
He doesn't need us. If we don't come, the mushy will still be full. You, don't, you can't hurt the mushy. I ain't going through mushy. I ain't going to pray. Allah will fill that masjid up with or without you, yo. I'm going to hurt the masjid. You ain't hurting nobody. Allah says, if you don't come, I'm going to switch you out with other people. It's you that benefit, bro. You're the one that benefits from being in that place. You're not hurting nobody. You are the faqir. Faqir means what? Poor. You need it. The sign, the sign of, of, a, of a troubled heart is you start to think you're doing a favor to Allah. Please, yo, check yourself. If you ever get a thought that you feel like I'm doing a favor to Allah by doing a, a ibadah, just remember this talking be like, Astaghfirullah, okay. I checked it. See, awareness is the best thing. It's okay. It comes. It comes. Like, that's, you're, you're human. But the awareness is like, oh my God, that just came. We literally just talked about that. Mikael, what's wrong with you? God doesn't need your prayers. He will literally find someone else to do it. And there are tons of people searching for Allah, searching to know Him, searching to get close to Him, that love Him and sacrifice everything to know Him. So, yes, the thought will come, but at least now we're cognizant of how negative or a bad sign that thought is when we think we're doing a favor to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does he say? Um, think, about, think about your need of him and that he doesn't need you. He ends, we're done. He ends with this. It's a rhetorical question. I love how he ends this. He goes, where's the one who knows their Lord? He wants you to think about it. He wants you to respond. Where's the one that knows their Lord? Is that the brother? No? Okay. Comparably, no? Okay. Sorry, sorry guys. Aina alimun birabbihi. Where's the one who knows their Lord? Aina khaif min dhambihi. Where's the person scared of their sins? Aina masrur bi qurbihi. Where's the person happy with their good deeds? Mashgul bi dhikrihi. Where's the person busy remembering Allah? He's, he's saying, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? So that we can be like, yo, that's me. I'm here. I'm here. Aina mushfiq min bu'adihi. Where's the one who's scared of being distant from Allah? I'm here, I'm here. He's there for you. He's there for you. Oh, you who have been deceived by this world. Alam yaraka al-jalilu sutura. Do you want Allah just to remove all the protective veils from you? So this is where we'll end. I love how he ends it. The book's not over. The book ain't over. We got, we got more halakas to go. Um, but the way he ends today's lesson is beautiful. He's like, where are the people that love Allah? Where are the people that, that are happy with their good deeds? Where are the people that are afraid of their sins? And each one of us needs to say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. May Allah make us of those people, inshallah. So a beautiful lesson today. Um, the first thing that we spent most of our time talking about is the importance of solitude in this age of connectivity. We need to realize how important it is to connect to our own selves. That will give you the ability to know yourself, to be comfortable with yourself. And that gives you the ability to connect to other people and to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and we talked about you know, Malcolm X in prison and how solitude is where so many people find themselves. So don't be scared of being by yourself. Don't be fearful of it. And then we talked about the importance of living in moderation 
and the importance of realizing that enough is enough. Enough is enough. And alhamdulillah, we are the one percentile. <laughs> Low key. And then we talked about the etiquettes, learning life through Quran, familiarity being by yourself, your shyness increasing with your yaqeen or certainty in God. And then we thought about four things to think about when we're by ourselves. These are the things you focus on when you sit in those moments by yourself. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us, inshallah ta'ala. Um, these are very, very therapeutic things we're learning um, if we're able to act upon them, inshallah ta'ala. Um, time alone is something we are missing. And so please, please value those moments before prayer, after prayer, the morning, the evening. These are all sacred times where you can truly connect to Allah in a very deep way if we realize the importance of solitude and what it does for us, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaneen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah khair. Do you need me?